I loved social drinking and I didn't realise it. For my friends to hear this is probably quite a bit of a shock and it's a shock for me to say it. But I actually think I potentially could have ended up in a, in a bit of a dangerous predicament with alcohol. Hello everyone, thank you so much for joining me today and welcome to the first ever episode of Influence Me with me, Shaney Ryan. With 45% of the world's population now using social media on a daily basis, we're now more and more influenced by the people that we follow. But social media is a tricky space to figure out what's real and what's in the highlight reel. With this podcast, I'm going to introduce you to some incredible people with some amazing journeys and stories to share that you can either relate to or be inspired by. Welcome to Influence Me. My first thought when I saw Alexandra Kane walk into the Love Island Villa was, finally, a woman that looks like me. Boobs, bum, curves in all the right places. And I think we all fell in love with her when she put Dr. Alex firmly in his place while still maintaining a perfectly ladylike demeanor. And then she left the villa, entered back into reality and back onto social media. However, now with over a million followers watching her every move, what did she do? She kept it 100% real with us. This lady makes me feel good, both in the real world, since we became friends, because uh, no one does karaoke like <laughs> Alexandra Kane. <laughs> but, <laughs> but she's also a positive female body image on my Instagram feed, which I love. <laughs> she publicly shunned cosmetic procedures that offered to her when she left the villa. Um, and she just told them that she wasn't interested, even though they were all free. She does weekly Q&As where she talks very openly and gives some really good advice to her young followers. She continues to post natural images of herself that make us all feel, well, basically that it's normal to be perfectly imperfect. And today we're definitely going to get to know her better because she has said absolutely no subject is off limits. So I am so excited to welcome to my sofa makeup artist, Love Islander and Instagram's favourite big sister is Alexandra Kane. <laughs> thank you for having me on. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to have you here. Nervous on my slash sofa. excited. Yeah, ner you're nervous <laughs> excited. Why are you nervous? Well, we're talking about everything. We are. Yeah, yeah we are going to get into it today because I think it's really important with this, with this podcast, Influence Me, that people understand and learn that behind every influencer is somebody who is basically an entrepreneur. Mm. They're turning their Instagram feed into an income, monetizing it, businessmen and women, um, inspiring people. And that's definitely something that I feel like you have done brilliantly, both before and after Love Island, basically. Thank so um, we actually met through your best friend, Shinta. Who's yes. A good friend of mine as well. We yes. met at London Fashion Week, mm -hmm. which I think it was only a year ago, right? Or maybe a year and a half ago? Yeah. Well, I remember seeing you at one before, but it wasn't with Shinta. No. But I just walked past and I said, hey, you're really pretty. And then I met you with Shinta and I was like, that's the same girl that I spotted the last fashion week and we just ended up crossing paths again. Yeah, yeah. it was like we were literally meant to meet on a, I know, on a deeper level. I know. And uh, actually it was Shinta that told you, get your butt on Love Island, right? Because you weren't sure and she wasn't sure and then she gave you the push that you needed. Well, yeah, I mean, the whole situation with Love Island, I, um, I went for an interview back in February of last year, um, but my dad fell ill the the day before, um, right. he had a heart attack, but he, he's fine now. And um, 
so when I went to the interview, I was like so super emotional and they're like, why do you want to go on Love Island? And I broke down crying and I was like, oh, my dad wants to see me get married. <laughs> and they were just like, you just, we don't think that you need to be here right now. Like go see your dad, etc." So right. I turned it down a couple of times, but in the end, Shinta was the person. Initially she said, don't do it because she knows that I am a real sensitive soul. Yeah. And she just didn't know how well I would deal with the criticism of other people like I value my friends a lot and they're the people that I really care about their opinions but from outsiders she just she as a friend would um she panicked a bit yeah, and she thought, wanted to protect you, you know, emotionally you don't know what's going to come of it so um and especially as it was halfway through the series when I got asked to go on it again um you kind of seen all the stories come out about other people and it is it, I think it's quite nerve-wracking going in halfway through because you're seeing what's happening yeah uh, like to everybody else like the stories that are coming out and you just think what am I putting yeah. myself in for it's yeah. like feed me to the lions so um yeah but in the end she changed her mind she's like do you know what I think you should do it so when your best friend gives you the approval you're like well if she thinks yeah, I'm, I'm good for it. Then. Did you Let's have go. a lot of fears then going in? Because for me, when I look at people walking into the Love Island villa, first of all, I think, goodness me, you're walking in on national television in a tiny little swimsuit, slow-mo shot walking in. Yeah. That terrifies the shit out of me straight away. Then on top of that, like like you said, you've got that kind of thing in the back of your mind, like, what are the press going to say about me? Am I going to be loved? Am I going to be hated? The edit mm -hmm. is such a kind of thing when it comes to controlling how you are portrayed, mm -hmm. how the edit is done. And then it's like you're going to into a villa with all of these people that you don't know. You're living with them. You're spending every second with them. And it's basically a competition as mm -hmm. well. Like, what, what was going through your head were you scared like... I was petrified yeah I was petrified and I actually I lost six kilograms in a week just in fear from stress <laughs> yeah. from not not because the environment I was in was stressful but it was all of these things in my head that I was stressing myself out about um and I mean there's people in there to make sure that you're not like unwell or anything but um yeah I was absolutely petrified and I think because I went, I only found out 10 days before I went on the show that I was like, I'd agreed to do it. So mm. I had no idea for the rest, like the beginning of the year that I was going to be doing this show. So I wasn't like training. Yeah. I wasn't getting myself in the gym really. I mean, I trained like I normally would, yeah. but I think had I known a lot sooner, I would have been like in there a lot more. Um, but actually, I think it happened like in a really organic way because as I had such short amount of time knowing that I was going in there, it all happened so fast that it was just like, right, you are going on as you. Mm. And you're not, you know, trying to be anybody else. You're not trying to be the best version. Of, you're just you. Mm. And you're like, right, sod it. This, uh, this is me. Uh, this yeah. is what's happening. And because I'd seen, like, there was so much uh, build up to me going on it, like the pros and the cons. Every day I was like rack racking my brain of, this could happen, that could happen, what if this comes out, what if this happens? And I caused myself so much stress leading up to it that when you get there, all you've got to decide is what outfit you, you're wearing <laughs> on your entry in. That's it. And your phones are taken away from you and all of a sudden those things don't matter anymore, which is why they take your phones away from you right. because you've got no contact with the outside world. So the minute that's removed, it's like you're just present and you're how, just doing what you've got to do. How long before do they take the phone away from you? Um, when you land in, in Mallorca. Right, okay. Yeah, so as soon as you get to the production place, um, yeah. they take your phone off you.
which I think is quite healthy because a that you, you, it can't be leaked that you're going on the show, but also b it's to protect you mm. because if you saw, for instance, like I don't know, someone like Megan last year all of the stories that were coming out about her, like that's really damaging, mm. you know? And sometimes once the press, press get whiff of like, I don't know, a certain thing, the media can make or break you. And it's, town, yeah, they? and it's it's just supposed to be a fun, lighthearted family show. I mean, particularly more family oriented now because of all like the non-smoking, not showing as many like sex scenes, sex scenes all of that. So yeah, it's becoming a lot more PG. Um, but, you know, there's environments and social media platforms like Twitter, for example, that people go in on Twitter. Yeah, but that's it, the place where I, people vent, right? Yeah, but really say what I mean, think. Twitter's funny. Like, the internet can be a really great place or it can be a really nasty place. And it's just that fine balance. And uh, I've, it's definitely something I've learned for myself. But, yeah, you just got to take everything with a pinch of salt, really. And you see the fears that you experienced, like, when you were thinking about the pros and cons mm. of going in. So I would assume that that can be relatable to anyone in any situation. A new job, um, kind of move into a different town, mm -hmm. changing schools even for some of our mm. younger listeners. That kind of uh, pros and cons, weighing up your fears, like... Mm. What kind of advice would you say, like, based on your experience? Because Love Island is, like, the extreme version of that because it's in front of millions. What kind of advice would you say would help people that are maybe going through that situation where they're kind of driving themselves a little bit crazy with trying um, to weigh up what is going to happen, could happen, you know, maybe is going to play out for them? As an individual, for myself personally, my advice would be go for it. Yeah. If you're thinking about it, you're obviously thinking about it enough because it's something that you do want to pursue. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't be thinking yeah, about it. Yeah, it wouldn't be taking up so much yeah, energy. Yeah, you wouldn't be taking up so much of your energy. So it, my advice would just be, just go for it. I've always been a believer in, if you don't take that chance, you will never know. Yeah. And the opportunity came up to me the previous year and I just said, no, 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 no. And obviously then, you know, the year that I went on, I was like, just you know how you are, yeah. universe, yeah, you know, law universe, of attraction, yeah. all of that. And I just thought, I'm 27. Where is my career taking me right now? Mm. I don't know. And I thought, what have I got to lose? What is the worst? What is the worst case scenario that could happen to me? Some stories come out that, you know, I wasn't so proud of when I was younger. But those are the lessons that you learn from. Mm. Nobody is perfect and everybody makes mistakes. To be honest, the thing I was most fearful out of was not what everybody else thought of me, it was what my mum thought of me. Because right. there's a whole bunch of stuff that my mum has no idea about me. <laughs> <laughs> has no idea. Right. And I thought, oh my God, my mum is literally going to disown me. And those were my biggest fears, That's was so my mum. And um, yeah, it was quite funny. But in the end, I just thought, do you know what? This could be an opportunity of a lifetime. So I guess my advice would be, you can always pick up the pieces after it happens. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And it teaches agree. you so much. I completely agree. I mean, my, my thing at the moment, and I've found myself saying it to quite a few of my friends, is when it comes to fear, accept the worst case scenario. The reason why is if you've already accepted the worst case scenario, everything else is a complete bonus. Yeah. So that's, that's, I completely agree with you on that. Uh, right, I want to go way back prior to Love Island. Because yeah. before Love Island, uh, you had a crazy journey in life anyway. Um, 
I want to talk about what you wanted to do growing up before being an influencer was a career. Yeah. You know, when you were growing up, young Alexandra, who, who did you want to be? What did you want to do? What was your dreams and ambitions? Um, since I was two years old, really, I got thrown into ballet. Mm -hmm. And since then, my love for dance in all kind of styles just developed really. So when I was six, I started up Latin American and ballroom dancing. Which by the way, we still have to go and do a class of that. We've been talking yeah, about that do. for a year. We need to do that. I know some really cool places. I'll take you. Or we could just go Brazil. <laughs> we could do, <laughs> we we could just could go do to that. <laughs> we could definitely do that. I'm down for that, 100%. Okay, yes. Pending. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I started um, Latin American and ballroom dancing when I was six years old because I saw my cousin doing it and I was like, oh my God, what is this style of dance that I've never seen before? Mm. And shock, Alex throws herself into it, doesn't think about all the implications that it might have. I was like, I want to do it. So my mum had to, you know, cater to my needs, <laughs> <laughs> only child problems. And um, so anyway, I started doing ballroom dancing and I just fell in love with it yeah. so much. And I used to do horse riding as well. Oh my so God, it was the same person because I used to do horse you? riding and I used to do dancing at the same time. How great on you? the legs, great on the legs. Yeah, I know, yeah, that's where I'm I got 20... these thighs from. Yeah, <laughs> thick thighs save lives, babes. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. Um, so yeah, I did horse riding and dancing and then when I went to secondary school, my mum was like, right, you've got to choose one or the other. Are you joking? My mum said exactly the same thing. You've what got did you to choose? Do. I chose dancing. Yeah, me too. <laughs> my mum's going to laugh when she listens to this. We're <laughs> high-fiving right now. We are high-fiving. Same people. Um, <laughs> so, my, yeah, I had to choose. And I was like, right, I'm choosing dancing. Because I just, yeah. I loved it. It was so expressive. And there were so many different styles. It's just a feeling in, in, yeah, your, in your body, in your gut, in your heart. Like, it just makes you feel so alive, right? Yeah, it's amazing. And you just forget about any, any other worries that are going on mm. in the world. You're just there in that moment. So... I continued with my dancing and I was still doing ballet at the time and I got to a really great level in ballet and I went for some auditions um, for things. I was told I was too big. So realisation started to hit. Um, Can we just talk about that for a second? Yeah. The too big thing. Yeah. So I got told at dance college that fat girls don't get jobs mm -hmm. and my response to that was to get fatter because yeah. I don't like people telling me what to do. Yeah. But... I just think there's a real culture for that. Like if you are a female athlete or a female dancer, or I, th I think dancers are athletes, but some people would disagree with me, uh, a gymnast, th there's this thing about you're too big. Mm. How did that make you feel? Because it made um, me feel like shit. I think that's probably where all of my self-consciousness has, has stemmed from, right. to be honest, dancing. Yeah. Um, I always say, and forgive, forgive me if I'm wrong in anyone else's opinion, but... I always say when you are a dancer or an athlete, if you look at yourself in a normal world, just a normal world, mm -hmm. people that have regular jobs that don't require them to be in a leotard, you would be perfectly happy with your yeah. body. But throw yourselves into the lion's den of the mm -hmm. entertainment industry and being a dancer, all of a sudden you're big. Yeah, and you're you not know, good or enough. Or you're plus size or you're yeah. too curvy. Or you're, yeah. yeah. Well, that initially started when I was, I think it was nine and so I'd done ballet since I was two years old and I was very advanced for mm. my age. Um, and I think, I think I was nine when I auditioned for the Royal Ballet and they turned me away Be I, because of my size. They just, they look at your parents, etc., and they know how you're kind of going to develop. Um, mm. They can just tell by your body shape, everything. It's very clever how they do it, but 
I then went on to continue doing ballet, dance with other companies, etc. And then when I started ballroom dancing, I knew that I was never going to take ballet seriously. Yeah. But yeah, Latin and ballroom then came about. And I thought, oh, great, like, this is more an environment for, like, curvier women. Yeah. Like, this is more my thing. Yeah. And I took more to the ballroom side of things rather than the Latin. I don't know what it was. I think it was my ballet upbringing. Yeah. I was a lot more just, like, in alignment. Regal and Yeah, regal, elegant. Yeah, everything. So ballroom just flowed a lot better for me. Mm. But being a ballroom dancer, to look more elegant, it was almost like you need to lose weight again. Mm. And I'm just like, I look back at pictures now of when I was dancing and I was like, there was nothing off You're me. You're tiny, yeah. But all the time I was like, you need to lose weight, you need to lose some weight. And a lot of the people that I was up against were petite, like they were so skinny. And always there was this battle of me. And I was training like five hours at mm. a time. Every time I trained, I'd be doing competitions. I'd be traveling all over the UK to do competitions. And there really was nothing of me. All right, yeah, I was eating like McDonald's and KFC whenever I wanted it because it was the only food that I could really access yeah. whilst I was like busy traveling from here, there and everywhere. Mm-hmm. Because my mum was driving me to places like two hours to get to training, two hours back. Yeah. So, I mean, we both did our best with it and that was it. But that's where... I guess my body issues came from, okay. I'd say, was that I always felt like I was the bigger girl at dancing. But looking back now, I'm like, what What on earth were they looking at? See, I was the bigger girl at dancing, <clears throat> but I think I was just eating my feelings because I was so sick of everyone yeah. telling me I was so fat. And also, I was bloody good. I was such a good dancer. And I used to think, like, focus on the fact that I'm a great dancer. Why does it matter what I look like? Yeah. But, unfortunately, but weight doesn't equal talent. Exactly. And I think that's something that a lot of people are starting, you know, to understand a lot more now. You know, people previously have been so judgmental about, oh, you look at an overweight person and that must mean such and such. Mm. It's like, hold on a second. That doesn't equal anything. Yeah. And so that's why it's so important for us to not look at someone and judge them. Mm. It's a bit like Ashley Graham in the States. Like, she's such a beautiful model. She's so talented. Um, but she trains a lot and mm. people just assume because she's slightly bigger than your average model that she must be unhealthy or something. Yeah. She's not. She's really fit. Yeah. She takes really good care of herself. She's just naturally a bigger girl. Yeah. It's the same as Iskra Lawrence. Yeah. You know, yeah. she came from a, a modelling background of where she was super, super thin and she's now her original kind of healthy weight. Yeah. And it's and been the best thing out. for her yeah, career it's as the well. Best, it's the best thing for her. So... It's a, it's a funny old world. I think we're slowly breaking down those barriers in terms of the modelling industry. Um, you know, you're seeing a lot more diversity. Mm. Um, I just hope that they're doing it for the right reasons, not because it's to build their brand. Yeah, yeah, To definitely. make them more appealing to people, yeah. you know? But, so back to you and your dance career. So yeah. you wanted to be a dancer. Yes. So up until uh, about the age of 18, 19... I think it was. So all throughout those years, I was at school Mm. and I hated school. Mm. I really, really hated school. And I think it was because I was so involved with my dancing, but I just never turn up to classes and my coursework would always be late because I'm always spending my hours so late at dancing. Yeah. Um, So I really, really trained hard for that. And when I got to the age of 19, 
I did my A levels, well, my AS levels, and I quit halfway through. Right. Because I was like, this isn't what this I want to do. This isn't for me. Education I want to be really. a professional dancer. Like, this is what I've been training for all my life, and I love it so much. So I left my AS levels, and I pursued my dancing career. So I never went to university because I wanted to pursue this dancing career. And when I left, I was so focused on my dancing career, and I just won the uh, UK Nationwide Ballroom Championships. Right. Which was a huge achievement for yeah, me. It's definitely. all I'd ever wanted. Um, and so I was like, brilliant. I'm going to go on the open circuit and I'm going to train. And I'll, I used to go to the Royal Albert Hall every year and watch the World Championships for the Ballroom and Latin. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to do. Some of which those people are now on Strictly. Ah. And so I used to, you know, be around those people and some of them used to coach me. And... That was what I initially had in my head as, as being my career. So what happened? Um, numerous things happened, really. I guess, uh, well, I got injured. So that was like number one factor. And it's bloody expensive mm. to do it. Yeah. Um, I think my mum's probably spent in the region of 20k on my dance career. Ridiculous. Which is money she did not have. No. Yeah. No. But what it does do is... It gives you a hobby and it teaches you how to work as a team. Discipline. It, yeah, discipline. It, there's so much that it teaches you. So when I think back, and my mum thinks back as to how much money she spent on me doing it, she tries to see it the positives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know... It gives you a work ethic that... 100%. That I think something like that can only teach, really. Yeah, and I've definitely brought that with me now into my adult years. Um, but yeah, main thing was injury, uh, torn meniscus in my knee, which meant that I could never really perform to my full, abil full ability. And How did you take that? Because there's probably a huge amount of people in the world that um, were all set to be athletes, whether it's professional footballers or whether it's dancers, uh, gymnasts, that injury um, or external circumstances have prevented them from going ahead in their career. From what I know um, in my own experience with people that I love that have been through that is that it can really create a lot of depression and it mm. can create a feeling of just being lost. And I guess it's the same, it can be the same in any career, not just an active mm. physical career that your career is taken away from you and you're just lost in space. You don't know what you're going to do next. How did you overcome that feeling of just shit? I always thought I was going to be a dancer. Well, I always thought this was going to be me. What do I do now? At the time it happened, it wasn't really like a clean break. So it, it, I didn't really feel the impact of it that hard in that moment. Right. So once I had my surgery, everything, I kind of still had that hope in the back of my mind, like I'm, I'm gonna be fine. Right. And stupidly, I didn't follow the physio's advice. I didn't do the rehabilitation. I just threw myself straight back into dance and it was probably the worst thing that I could have done because it just, it ruined me. And I was still trying to train and I was like, no, I'm going to be, I'm going to do it. Like, I, I'm such a fighter when it comes to stuff like that. I was impatient. Yeah. And I just, I knew that there was a time limit on the thing that I wanted to do because, you know, you reach your peak as a, like a ballroom dancer in your mid twenties. Yeah. You know, so you have to kind of get up and up and rolling with it. And I was already 19, 20 and I wanted to like conquer the open circuit 
and I was watching, you know, the champions and I was like, yeah, I want to be like them. So you just pushed yourself. So I just pushed myself and I unfortunately wasn't with the right partner. Just things weren't working out quite as I'd hoped. So there were numerous factors which played a part, but I remember being at training and I just, I couldn't train all the time. I was like, I'm hurting, I'm hurting. And my train, my coach couldn't understand it. And my partner couldn't understand it. And I just felt like I was moaning all the time. So I think after I tried to kind of push myself through the dancing and, and kind of put myself back on track, I just realised that it wasn't going to happen for me. Yeah. Um, and then that was the moment where I stopped dancing and everything that I'd kind of been consuming whilst I was dancing, I continued to eat whilst I wasn't training. Right. So I then started gaining weight because I wasn't doing the exercise. And that kind of then led on to like a really unhappy place for me. Um, and then my mum put me into college to try and figure out what I wanted to do as like a contingency plan, kind of figure out, well, what is it that you want to do then yeah. if this is not going to work out for you? I didn't go to uni, which I don't regret because I'm not in any debt now. <laughs> so um, yeah, but at the time I just, I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. and. At the time, I didn't realise it. I was depressed. But looking back, there was a period where I think I was off work for like a year, a year and a half. And I was just in bed. And my mum my mom was having these battles with me because she was like, you need to get up and do something. Like, I can't fund your lifestyle anymore. Mm. And um, on top of that, numerous things happened after I'd been put through those jobs. I, because my parents had me quite late, a lot of my family members are older. So I then had to go through a few of my family members passing away. Right. Um, I lost my nana on Christmas Eve. My cousin committed suicide New Year's Eve on the same year. Wow. Then my uncle, my mum's brother, couldn't attend his own mum's funeral because he got taken into hospital really unwell. And he got diagnosed with bone cancer, passed away within six months. So my mum's lost her mum and her brother. Wow. And after that, we just didn't have time to heal. You know, you didn't have time to grieve. And I didn't really understand what was going on because I'd never really, I'd lost my granddad before, but it, it kind of hadn't sunk in. I think okay. I was a little bit older and I realised what was going on. And obviously I was unhappy as well. So all of those things really affected me. How did the grief affect you? Like, because it's one of those things that people don't, actually really talk about or share grief is one of those things that I think people keep very private mm. um and it's one of those things that does need to be spoken about because it's something that everyone experiences at some point so well again it didn't affect me straight away and I think this is the really important thing to remember about grief is that something might happen to you and you might shed a tear there and then but grief can be ongoing for months years yeah and whenever that time is right for you, you will see it happening. Maybe not at the time, but yeah. you will then move past it and look back and be like, that was my grieving. Okay. That was what that was. And sometimes you don't even recognise that you're going through it. But you can be like, you can be moody, you can be upset at your partner, all of these things. And you don't even correlate it with what's happened. Yeah. You just think, oh, I'm just, I'm just annoyed. So those three things happened. Then I went on holiday with my mum because we were like, things surely can only happen in threes. Like, let's go away. Let's have a really positive like end to all of this and just 
just treat ourselves. Try and recover a little yeah, bit. Yeah, try and recover. So we went away. On the last day of that holiday, my I got a phone call from my best friend saying a guy that you used to date has been killed in a car crash. And I was like, sorry? And it was only quite recent as well. And I, I just... It, it just topped me off, like it was the cherry on the top of the cake. And I just couldn't stop crying. And that day I came home, two weeks later I was at home and I get a phone call from this lady at the hospital and she's like, oh, is your mum in? And I was like, mm, no, can I ask who's calling? And she said, oh, it's so-and-so from this hospital. Uh, we've got her results in, I just wanted to speak to her about it. I was like, right, okay, I'll let her know that you phoned. I put the phone down, no idea that my mum had even been at the hospital, so I, I feared the worst, yeah. because I knew that if it was something that my mum wasn't concerned about, she would, she would have she told me. She would have told you, yeah. So I just, I couldn't stop crying, and I phoned my mum yelling, and I was like, you haven't told me something. I said, you've got cancer, haven't you? And she, she just went silent on the phone. And I, my whole life, that was like, what on earth, what is happening to me this year? And I went off the rails in terms of partying, uh, being involved with the wrong people, just like, just losing my head and mm. like alcohol. And I just, I didn't know what on earth I was doing, which then led me at Christmas time, I met someone okay. really randomly but I was so vulnerable and this person just took me under their wing and told me everything that I wanted to hear from them. And I fell in love with them. Mm. And that then led me into the most toxic relationship I've ever had in my life. My mum and I have always had this relationship where we don't really talk about a lot. Right, okay. Like we're not, we talk about a lot, but it's never personal. Because we had such a, uh, an age separation, because she had me at 39 years old, I couldn't talk to my dad about it, and I had no, no siblings to talk to, which is why my friends that were around me were like my strongest unit. Mm. Um, so they, my friends are like my family. When we found out what was going on with my mum, the tumour that she had, it was actually lying dormant, so it wasn't progressing. Okay. So that, for me, was the light at the end of the tunnel. It was like, right, okay, we've got time. Yeah. Time is the biggest healer and we'll be, we're gonna get through this. You just have to wait until you've got the proper diagnosis of what's going on. And then once you've got that diagnosis, you've just, you have to believe, you have to stay strong and you have, to, the mindset is so powerful, but sometimes the family members, they break more than the person who's going through it. And you have to remain strong because that person is gonna get the strength from you. Now for five years, nothing happened with my mum. That was a stepping stone. Yeah, you've got time. We're like, right, so. okay, cool. It was actually after I came off Love Island, which was exactly five years from when my mum got diagnosed, that her tumour grew. And after yeah. Love Island, I then was having to deal with that, which nobody kind of really saw. No. Because You're in the I, was, I was in the limelight yeah. and I was in this bubble and I was doing everything, but nobody really knew what was going on back home. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, when I first came out of Love Island, I had huge mental breakdown which nobody saw coming out of the villa there's so many people in your face there's always you know stories coming out you're worried about press you're worried about everything and I was set up to do the uh, pot noodle advert right and 
I was like, brilliant, like this is such a great idea. And my mum was um, meant to be coming on to film with me and she fell ill the day before. Well, she'd been feeling ill for a really long time. And actually, funnily now looking back, when I was in the Love Island Villa, she came in, she came onto the show when the parents come in and I know, I noticed that she had lost so much weight and I was like, maybe it's stress, but in the back of my mind, it was playing on me, but I knew that I was going to be home in a couple of days. But yeah, leading up to this pot noodle advert, um, my mum had been complaining of like stomach pains and this and that and the other. My mum, and I said to my mum, I was like, do you really, really think that you can't travel 15 minutes? Because the location was only like around the corner from yeah, us. Yeah. And I was like, do you honestly think that you're not going to be able to make that for an hour? And if not, you are seriously unwell. Like you need to go and see a doctor. In, in which case you're going to A&E right now. And she just started crying. And I was like, right, I'm taking you. So my mum went to A&E and I, she got held in overnight. Okay. The next day I was filming the advert and she was on call all day, just kind of updating me what was going on. And in the end, she was like, it's my cancer. The tumour's grown. And so again, that was like all hell broke loose in my mind. And I was just so distraught. Like my mum is my best friend. Mm. And when I got home, we were just like, so so what now? What? does this mean you're going to be dead in six months? Does this mean, like, what does this mean for us? And I, I think that's the biggest fear of cancer. You don't know the outcome. Yeah. And, you know, with other diseases, they're more manageable, but cancer is so aggressive. It could be anything. She could be gone in three months. She could be gone in three years. Like, you just don't know. But the NHS and the guy that she was seeing was so fantastic. He was like, this is what we're going to do. And she had chemotherapy. So that started in October. I came out of Love Island in August. And she had that for six months. And she had eight rounds of chemo. Going on that show, because they kept asking me, that was whoever's way up there of telling me, you need to do this show. Because it's gonna, something's going to happen and it's going to be your biggest distraction and it's going to keep you going. And six months down the line, and she's now in remission. And she doesn't have cancer anymore. Because she only went into remission quite recently, didn't recently, she? Recently, yeah, yeah. in May. And it's, I don't think it's sunk in yet because it's like all of this, all of this worry was leading up because I didn't have, my mum didn't have a clue what I was doing with my life. And now I'm on the straight and narrow with my career and my path and it's all gone away. And it's, it's just so strange. It's like a crazy connection, it? Is isn't it is so strange. And she's now back at work. She's working four days a week. Like, it's never happened. I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased. But it's almost like, what the hell was that? Hey, guys, just a quick break to tell you about our sponsors. I wanted to tell you about my favourite new app. It's called Kindred. In a nutshell, Kindred allows you to share the things that you love whilst also donating to the charity of your choice. Yes, it's literally as simple as that. You post your favourite new coat, trainers, lipstick or any other product that you choose from the Kindred app. Then you make a genuine recommendation to your followers and a percentage of every sale goes to your favourite charity. And if that wasn't good enough, a percentage of the sale also goes directly to you too. But if you're feeling super flush, you can always choose to give all of your commission away. You can download the app 
at www.kindred.co. That's www.kindred.co. Kindred, share what you love. It's so interesting that as a young woman in a vulnerable phase that you then attracted a pretty toxic relationship. Talk to me about that relationship um, and kind of how you ended up getting out of such a relationship because I find that a lot of young women and men end up getting themselves into these unhealthy, toxic relationships. And it's kind of become a thing that I feel like you're incredibly lucky if you avoid that in your late teens and early 20s. Yeah, well, when... I first obviously heard about my mum's cancer diagnosis. That was, you know, the fifth kind of thing that had happened within a year. And I was just at my lowest and I didn't know what path I was going on. I didn't have any direction. I didn't have any focus. And so I met this guy at around Christmas time and we ended up speaking and really getting along and telling me all the things I wanted to hear. I just fell. Yeah. Hook, line and sinker for Again, this Again, another probably distraction from what was going it on was with completely, your family. It was, completely, completely. And I had the opportunity to kind of travel and go away. Again, more distractions from my reality. And I had a really great time. Were you working at the time or did this time? Nope, to... not working. I was waiting for him to phone me to say, do you want to come here? So that's super so I, unhealthy, right? Super, super, super unhealthy. So I was waiting on him to tell me what I was doing. But that went on for a really long time. And I just kind of ended up kind of going with him everywhere. And I was relying on him to take me places for new experiences. And I wasn't earning my own money. And that started to make me feel very, very embarrassed. So just numerous uh, like traits, things that were happening that I was like, this isn't, I, I saw the signs, but I wasn't doing anything about it. Why? Because I was so in love with him. Mm. And he was the only person that was providing me with some sort of uh, lifestyle and happiness, joy. which I thought was true happiness. So you were getting all of your joy from a man. Yep. And not looking to yourself for any of it. No. I then started to see the cracks in the relationship. All of those things started to have an effect on me and it was so damaging and it didn't make sense in my own head. And then something happened which was quite traumatic and the response that I got from him was just not a response that you would hear from someone that genuinely cared. And so at that point, that was like a year and a half after going through all of this. And I just, that was it. Something in my mind changed where I was like, this is it. Like, I've had enough. Do you feel like that's the case with a lot of young women that they, um, they have to wait for that moment where they, they feel like it's just a moment too far? I do. I do think that, like, no matter how... Like, you might say to some of your friends that might be going through certain situations or they might have said to you you know, don't do this or watch out for this or like they try to give you their best advice. Yeah. Ultimately, as humans, we are going to do what we want to do mm. regardless of what anybody tells us. Yeah. And we have to learn for ourselves because that's the only way that we progress and get stronger. Yeah. And the penny has to drop for you to feel strong enough to walk away. Otherwise, you'll keep going back. Did you make a clean break? Um, 
Not straight away, no. I kept saying, I kept threatening and saying, this is it, this is it. And then he'd call me and I'd be like, oh, running back again. Yeah. And it's just so toxic. I feel like everyone does that at some point, don't yeah, they? Yeah, 100%. Some people, it happens, you know, very early on in their life. Some people, it happens in their late 30s. Like, mm-hmm. you just don't know when it's going to happen to you. So you were looking to this guy for love and acceptance and confidence and happiness. Yeah. That's obviously super unhealthy. Yeah. But now you are probably one of the most self-love advocates on social media and you're probably one of the most body positive and, you know, you radiate um, you radiate positivity Thank when you. it comes to the self-love movement. Once I learned to be better, not bitter... Mm the game changed for me. I love that. Once I love... Say that for us one more time. Once I learned to be better, not bitter, the game changed. I love that. It's so true. That's such a powerful line. I'm going to be saying that. Learn to be better, not bitter. (laughs) He he taught me all the things I don't want in a relationship. Right. So for that, that for me was like a huge lesson. I always look at relationships like that. For me personally, I feel like every single relationship that I've been in throughout my life has taught me something about myself. It's taught me something about what I want and what I also don't want Mm -hmm. in my life long term. So speaking of relationships, we've spoken about kind of boys and stuff like that. Friendships. Mm -hmm. You had a really good friendship with someone for two years Mm -hmm. who is in the public eye, Demi Rose. Mm -hmm. Did she have any part to play in you moving from this kind of place where you didn't have so much body confidence to getting into this? Because she's got, obviously, a fantastic body and she makes a living off of being bikini model, swimsuit model. So she's obviously got bags of body confidence. Yeah, she's gorgeous. So once I started getting my life kind of back on track and I kind of got a direction of where I wanted to go, I started with makeup and um, I was working, like, assisting as a makeup artist on different jobs and I had a part-time bar job as well to kind of keep the money rolling in and after about a year of doing that I got offered a job um, with a photographer who I'd been wanting to work with for ages Mm -hmm. and I was like oh my god like my dreams are starting to come in like starting to come into fruition yeah and so I did the job and I was still kind of just doing like little bits here and there, but it was like paid work now. So I was doing like paid shoots and I was working my bar job. So I was like, right, this is really happening. Like this yeah. is taking off. So it was such I'm an exciting- I'm a legit makeup artist yeah, right now. Yeah, it was such an exciting time for me because it was like my own little business that I was running. And I previously I'd never thought I'd be able to do that. And then he then ended up introducing me and getting me, you know, on a shoot with Demi. So I was in Ibiza for two weeks um, and she came out halfway through. Anyone that works in makeup will know, even hairdressers, you become their agony aunt. So <laughs> because so they're true. in your chair and they're so vulnerable because you're, you're seeing them bare. So we ended up speaking and I was kind of at hand, whatever she needed and all of that. So she, we ended up becoming really good friends. And a couple of weeks later, she sent me a text saying, hey, um, I don't know if you would like to go, but I was thinking maybe we could go to Hong Kong. Like, would you want to come to Hong Kong with me? I'd never been like that far 
across the world before and I was so excited and we were like putting all like loads of looks together and we were like oh should we do this should we do that and we're like we're gonna go to the market stores and so buy. was she going there to shoot or just to travel um just just as a holiday but right. to, like she likes to kind of wherever she goes create some looks right for what she's doing um just so that it kind of fits with the story and you know it looks great on her Instagram so we were like putting all these looks together and we didn't end up shooting anything right. because we were having such a good time in Hong Kong and we didn't really know each other going there but we ended up just having the best time. She ended up staying out there for longer but I had to come home for work and I remember seeing Demi when I was younger and being like, oh my God, she's beautiful. Like I'd mm. love to work with her one day mm. when I first started doing makeup and all of a sudden I was there doing her makeup and it was just like oh my god like dreams do come true I then fell into the role of kind of being her assistant I guess right um I learned so much from her and um even just like poses and stuff and like content and, and is that how Instagram you fell into yeah well my own, my own um I remember I got invited to a house of CB dinner with her and I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Like House of CV. House of CV. Like this is legit. Yeah. Like, and they sent me a dress and I was like, oh my God, Demi, like they've sent me, a, oh my God. Like I could yeah. not believe it. Yeah. Because after all this time, like watching her be sent gifts or whatever, and like all of a sudden they wanted to give me something and I didn't have to pay. And I was like, Oh my god and I was so it. excited <laughs> so that was kind of the start and then my following started to grow and um because Demi's got like nine million followers or something she it? has she, yeah maybe 10 million she has yeah I mean a lot of them are male obviously yeah um but there's a lot of females that follow her too um but that definitely she you know taught me and showed me like the insightful kind of world of Instagram and you know some of the fees that I saw, I was like, this is madness. Like, how can you earn that much money from Instagram? Mm. And um, it was just a, a completely different world to me because I just wanted to be a makeup artist. I was working mm. at fashion shows and the whole world of Instagram was just completely, you know, un, unfamiliar. We ended up um, parting ways the beginning of last year, just before I went on Love Island. I think the relationship became quite toxic um, towards the end, just business and friendships unfortunately don't always work out yeah we're cool like we're good there's no issues yeah, do you know yeah, what yeah. I mean so this is probably the first time that I've openly spoken about anything and I hope if she hears this that she doesn't mind mm. because there was a lot of great times that we had together mm. and you know things just don't you know not all your friendships last forever but you know again looking back what did she teach me so much yeah. and I'm sure there's a lot that she would say the same for me so you learnt from her a lot. You learnt about the world of social media, being an influencer. Yeah. And she is like super body confident. So did yes. you kind of go, wait a minute, like I can do a bit of that. Like well, when did your whole vibe change? Because the person that I see every day on social media is just like so body confident. The turning point for me of being body confident, like I, we were on a job away together and I kind of didn't really bother about myself. Like I wasn't, I didn't look at myself like that. We were on this job together and some pat pictures got taken and I saw these pictures and that for the first time in my life was like, whoa, okay, who is that person? Didn't recognise yourself. I didn't recognise myself and it wasn't just a weight thing, it was like, I just didn't recognise me, I was like, that is not me. 
that is not me. And I think everything that had happened previously in the previous years, relationships, uh, grief, like grievances, whatever, mm. had really taken its toll. So when I saw these pat pictures, I was like, oh my God, Alex, like you've let yourself go. Like, this is not okay. Like you've lost control in so many aspects of your life. Like, let's, let's regain this control. Let's remember who the F you are. Yeah. Put back on your Sasha Fierce. And so I started training. Um, I got a personal trainer and I just started eating right and like exercising. And I felt a million dollars. I think when people have addictions, mm. if you close off one addiction, they'll find something else. Yeah. What's your addiction? It's time to leave all that behind. My addiction now, exercise. What was it before? Um, really weirdly to say this, probably alcohol. Really? Yeah. Okay. That really? was your crutch. Like that was your go-to. I loved social drinking and I didn't realise it. And for my friends to hear this is probably quite a bit of a shock. And it's a shock for me to say it. But I actually think I potentially could have ended up in a, in a bit of a dangerous predicament with alcohol. Really? Yeah. I didn't notice it at the time. Were but you in like a fu functioning alcoholic type state where you were drinking daily? I would just have, I didn't think I drank that much. Right. But I would drink daily. I'd have like a few gin and tonics each night with my dinner. And then when I started training properly, I was like... That's when you can't I stopped up. drinking. Yeah. And I went through a bit of a meltdown and I was like, oh my God, like, I, I think I'm having a come down from alcohol, like not drinking alcohol. Um, my skin broke out and everything and... I was just, it made me realise maybe I was quite dependent on alcohol for continuing to be this person, like this personality, like having fun all the time mm. rather than just being that without the alcohol. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people will be listening to this going, shit, I have a few glasses of wine a night or a couple of gin and tonics a day and I'm yeah. constantly actually topping up on alcohol and it doesn't seem a lot because I'm not blind drunk and I still go yeah. to work every day yeah. but technically well it's not good for you yeah it's not without getting too deep into like health benefits and all of that I just realized you don't need alcohol to kind of have a good time but I became reliant on it because I enjoyed it yeah but I didn't notice well, thanks that thanks for sharing that because I cool. feel like a lot of people are going to be able to relate to that and and it's not an easy thing to say especially when you're in the public eye to kind of really acknowledge what what you've done differently and where maybe you weren't in such a great place before so yeah thanks for sharing I feel like that's it's going right. to help a lot of people to hear I hope you so. have come out the other side of something that you know I'm sure a lot of people have fallen into the habit of doing in the daily stresses of now anyway yeah. for the first time in my life I think I am the most stable mentally I've ever been so you come out of Love Island, you mm -hmm. had over a million followers yeah. and you are now fully fledged influencer. Yeah. Um, how have you turned that into a career and like monetized that and what's, what's the, the long term goal here? Because you said <clears throat> you kind of feel stable and you know where you want to be. I guess what I realised coming out of Love Island was I'm not your typical influencer. Yeah, I never I'd have agree. been, I never will be. And there was a lot of jobs that I turned down um, in particular, there was one uh, like lipo, 3D lipo thing that offered me a huge deal and I just, I turned it down because I was like, that's not what I want to put out. That's mm. not my message. I would rather put out me looking like a potato sack because it's funny, 
like I was doing posts for, you know, fashion brands. And I was like, oh, I've got to take a picture for another post. And I know that that's not what I'd want to be doing. What do you want to do? I guess teach people to just be happy and healthy, that the two are combined. You can be body positive, whatever size you are. Mm. And, you know, sometimes when I do like my uh, posed versus slouch pictures, it's not me trying to say I'm overweight. I know the weight I am. I know the size that I am. I know whether I feel happy or not. It's the point of two different images can show very different perspectives on things and not to be, you know, completely obsessed with one of them because it looks better. Mm. I'm still the same person and I still feel the same in both of those pictures. But to you, those pictures might be a deciding factor whether you like that picture or whether you don't. How do you feel about the new trend of injectables and fillers and Botox and boob jobs and butt jobs and um, nose jobs and chin jobs and jaw jobs and all the jobs that are happening a lot on <laughs> the world listen, of social media? How do you feel about I find that? It, I find it crazy, but if people choose to do that, or, like do whatever you want with your body, that's entirely your choice. But I think the work has to come from within first. If you are genuinely happy from within and you still want those things done because it's not that's not the key factor playing on your mind, go for it. But I just feel like when people are just trying to get those things done to impress other people, that is when it is unhealthy. Mm. I guess when I came out of Love Island, you know, there were people left, right and centre offering me free surgery. And that's where it's dangerous is because people that are vulnerable and are insecure would take on those free things. The fact that you have said no to all of those things, despite them being offered for free, has been massively inspirational in the space of social media and Instagram. I literally remember my friend saying, oh, did you see Alex's post about, you know, about you saying to all those companies that keep contacting yeah. me? The answer is no, I do not want yeah. your free Botox and fillers. And that for me was just like really inspirational. Thank so you. I definitely think that's a lot to be proud of. What's your highest moment since you left the villa and the lowest moment? Um... Highest moment for me, my mum being made in remission. Um, that was lovely. And lowest moment? Lowest moment, probably when I had my meltdown, when everything I just felt like was crashing down around me. I was living out of a suitcase, going from like PAs here, there and everywhere. And I had the news of my mum back home. So yeah, so I've had- out of the villa, it's pretty full on pretty quickly. Oh my it? God, massively, yeah, it's, you know, you see people like, um, I know Maura took a few days off recently. She was like, I just need to do normal things. And, um, you know, people get slated for it, but people are in your face all the time. Like, it's, it is very overwhelming. Like, people in your space, when you're trying to, like, travel from one place to the next, you've got people taking pictures of you, you hear people talking, and it makes you paranoid. So what is your next career move? What is next for you? I'm going to be one of those people and say, I can't talk about it. Oh, no! I know, I know. It's really, really frustrating because it's something that I've, I'm so excited to share with everyone. Okay. But I can't talk about it Is yet. there any, can we have any clues? Um, I guess it's just around what I kind of do anyway. Okay. I don't want to say too much because then I feel like I'll jinx it. Yeah, yeah, don't do that. I'm one of those people, you'll see it when it happens. Superstition, like, I totally agree. As much as I'm dying to know. Yeah, but I'm stay sure tuned. Everyone because listening Because it's going to be very exciting. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure it will be, but I don't want you to jinx it either. Yeah. I'm going to ask you two questions. One, yeah. what does being an influencer mean to you? Mm -hmm. 
being an influencer to me is basically spreading um, a positive, healthy message to others about the reality that we all live behind uh, just a visual 2D image. Whatever message that you want to put out for yourself, it could be sports, it could be beauty, it could be whatever it is, just, just be as true to who you are as possible and spread that message because you are good enough as you. You don't need to try to be like anybody else. Love so. that, love that. And my next question, the question that I ask everyone, um, what is the caption that you want to leave our listeners with today? And don't forget your hashtags. Oh. It's got to be a good one. It's got to be better, be better, not bitter, isn't it? I think it has. Be better, not bitter. Be better, not bitter. And what would your hashtag for that be? Um, you are the best version of you. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Where can people find you on social media, Alex? Um, people can find me on Instagram, Alexandra Louise, underscore, underscore. And Twitter, I'm Alexandra Kane, C-A-N-E. And on YouTube, I'm Alexandra Louise. So Lovely. Um, right, okay. That, for me, was just a real journey. Um, thank you so much for everyone listening and getting involved in today's episode. I feel totally blessed that I was able to get Alexandra here today. And seriously, guys, if like me, you have ever struggled with body confidence, which I definitely have, or if you're sick of scrolling Instagram and seeing nothing but heavily photoshopped images, um, or girls that are just like plastic, top to toe, then definitely get yourself on Alex's page and scroll away because it will make you feel great. She will really be a breath of fresh air in your day and also on your feed. Uh, don't forget, she's also dropping Q&As on her Instagram stories every week. So get involved in those because if you ever need some straight talking advice, this girl delivers some serious facts. So um, if this episode helped you in any way today, or if you simply just enjoyed listening, please do subscribe, rate and review this podcast, wherever it is that you listen so that we can reach lots more people. Don't forget to share this with anyone in your life that you feel might benefit from hearing what we've talked about today. And also please share on your social media. You can tag me, tag Alex, and uh, let me know what you thought about today's episode. And I will be sure to give away some reposts as well. And maybe Alex, will too if you're lucky uh, just give me a follow at shaney underscore ryan and check back in two weeks time for the next episode of influence me i just wanted to say a mega thank you to our sponsors today kindred share what you love influence me was written and presented by me shaney ryan and produced and edited by dawn kelly for birdline media Follow them at Birdline Media and follow me on Instagram at Shaney underscore Ryan. Our theme music is by Jaylee Music. And if you like today's show, be sure to rate us wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. Thanks for listening and see you in two weeks when you can catch my next special guest. <laughs>